All right, we're back again. Boomer Memes Episode 4. Or as the kids on the street like to call it, BM. So thanks. <laughs> we're about to crank out a BM real quick. Thanks for joining us. Oh man, got a got a lot to talk about this week. It's a little a little more upbeat than last week for sure. Um, starting to feel a little bit better, but we're gonna revisit some of that stuff. But uh, uh, a lot more uh, other things to talk about as well. Lots of more other things. Um, yeah, uh, we'll we'll kick it off with some plugs, I guess. I uh, once again, uh, next show you can catch me at is October first at the Bode Hotel. Um, you can get tickets; they're on sale now. BodeComedy.com. These shows do do tend to sell out, so uh, definitely go ahead and snag your tickets while you can. Um, but it's yeah, I, you'll get to see me. I, I, I'm going to perform. I'm going to do a big set, a bigger set than you would see at an open mic. That's for sure. Um, you can also catch me at open mics. I'm, I tend to, to get around. Um, there's a new one on, on X at exile, uh, that I'm going to go check out soon. It's on Monday nights. Uh, there's also Thursday nights at JJ's and uh, Wednesday nights at barley. I know I said that out of order, but, uh, you know, you're smart people. You can figure it out. Um, and, uh, you can follow me on uh, all of my socials and whatnot. I'm, it's real easy to find. Um, uh, I've got a. If you go to any one of my socials, and all of them will be linked in the uh, in the description, uh, you can go to my Linktree account, um, which will be in the bio of both my Twitter and uh, Instagram, and it's got like all of the links. It's got links to if you want to get tickets to that boat show. Link is there. Um, I've got a coffee account in case you like really like the show and you want to support it uh throw you know a couple bucks like i, I don't want to like make it a subscription thing yet because i don't again that that means keeping up with the numbers but like i'm cool with a tip basis if you want to tip me and you're like hey this is cool here's five bucks that was worth my time I, I'll, I'll gladly take your five bucks um i need it uh <laughs> i need it now uh because my card i guess got skimmed i don't know if it was like a gas pump or me trying to order some weird foreign board game thing maybe pornography it's it's probably pornography but it's hard to say regardless my card got skimmed and uh they uh they sat on it i guess for a minute because I, I definitely haven't been using my card much lately and uh looked over my finances and discovered that a uh, like a 45 dollar charge had been taken out and you know that it's not a lot of money but it still sucks so I, and that means they can just take out money whenever they want. So I had to go get a whole new card. So uh, if you want to throw like, you know, one or two bucks at my coffee uh, to help me out, make that 45 back, that would be super rad. Um, but otherwise, I'm an idiot and I probably just deserve That's probably just a, a lesson. It's like, yeah, I paid you said, $45 you, for a lesson. You said they got your... Uh they had the pen number and everything. I guess right? so. Cause yeah. they, they definitely was a debit charge. Well, so. the, yeah. If it was that, then that means it was literally one of the physical skimmers. That's what I, where think. you, you scanned it at a gas pump or something like that. I always yank on those fuckers. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's uh, again, I, I paid $45 for a lesson. Um, I can, I'm, I can dispute it. Like, but they said it could be a couple weeks before I see that again. So, Hey, you know, I could use that 45 now. So it's a pretty cheap lesson. Yeah. yeah I mean, great, to know. be fair, it could have been a lot worse. Um, no, but knowing how much money is in my bank account on average, it probably couldn't have been much worse. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, uh, that's, that's all the stuff I've got going on right now. Um, definitely uh, still, still cranking out the other podcasts we just did in chaos. We trust this Sunday. Um, that's, you know, always, always good time. Um, always good time. And then uh, we're still, uh, we're about to, we're, I think we're really ramping up the, um, 
adventure fight stuff. It's uh, we're, we we did another episode this past weekend, and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, the story's getting cool. You guys don't know it yet, but but you will. Um, and uh, yeah, and then uh, the I, I'm kind of I'm kind of you know leaning more on the D and D side of my personality because of the whole thing that happened, which. Originally, I was just calling it the tweet with a capital T, but uh, I think I like the mercering better. <laughs> I'm calling it the mercering. That's just my name for it. Um, so that it's finally slowed down. I can finally like get back in my normal like kind of routine where I'm not just getting constant like Twitter notifications and uh, you know just people like oh play in your game like I love you. Thank you for for following me and 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 you know enjoying you know my personification or whatever you want to call it. Um, but uh, unfortunately I can't run a D and D game for that many people. I, it did fill up. I do have a full group now, so I'm going to start running a D and D game again. I actually do want to talk about that later in the show, but uh, I just wanted to kind of touch base on kind of the, the aftermath of the mercering. Um, I did get to, I, I got asked to be on a podcast. That was cool. I got to guest on um, his name is a, uh, Caleb Mosher and uh or Mosher, I don't know if I'm saying that right cuz I know him by his YouTube name which is Blandco. Um I've been watching that guy's videos for a long time. He's really good at uh finding affordable ways to use like miniatures and terrain in your D&D game. And I I'm a big minis and terrain guy, so it was cool to get to chat with him. He's very very nice, very personable, super awesome. Awesome dude to talk to. Um, I haven't, I don't think that's come out yet, but as soon as it does, that link will be everywhere. I'll have it in my link tree as well. So, um, should be good. And he might even come on this show sometime now that we've got a line of communication open. So I'm excited uh, about what the future holds in my world of, uh, harassing D and D celebrities. Um, yeah. So, um, uh, one thing I did want to say, um, you know, I've, I've pushed it a lot in past weeks, but, um, you know, I'm not, I I've, I've said, I'm not going to look at the numbers, so I don't want to know how well or how poorly the show is doing. Uh, but I would like some degree of feedback and I put the uh, email address out there. Once again, that's boomer memes pod at gmail.com where you can interact with the show. You can send me anything you want to send me, uh, whether it's, you know, pictures of your, your pets, um, pictures of your enemy's house and where they live. Um, you can, you know, or, um, you know, gossip that's going on in the scene. If you know about some, uh, some gossip in the scene that needs to be reported on, I've been doing that. It's been pretty popular. I've heard a lot of people respond very positively to that segment. So, um, I I'm happy to report. I, I didn't get a lot of emails, uh, and I want, I want to hear more. So please, please email me, but I did get a, a few. And so I thought I would uh, share those first email. Uh, let's pull it up here. Um, it's, this one is from, Oh, it's from a longtime local comedian. Um, <laughs> definitely someone who has uh, history uh, and, and probably has a very close ear to the ground as far as seeing dirt. Uh, Ryan Darling sent us this. Oh. Um, he said, uh, says, um, Oh, rad cop. Congrats on the show. It's doing really well. He says, um, you know, don't tell anyone I told. Oh shit. Um, anyway, uh, he says, uh, apparently he, he's got some dirt. He says, uh, little known fact, Donnie Marsh is a narcissist. I don't know if I'd call Donnie a narcissist. He seems kind of, he seems like, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd say his self-esteem seems to go in the other direction. And based on what he says now, 
I mean, if you're going by how he acts, but maybe that's why it's seen dirt. Maybe it's a thing that like nobody, it's something that he doesn't, you know, maybe Donnie confided in, in Ryan and said, you know what? I just, I, I yeah, I just really want to suck my own dick. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know. That's, that's what happened. But um, yeah, Ryan asked me not to say that. So sorry, Ryan, but uh, you should really think about the order of these uh, letters as you write them and put that mm-hmm. the important details at the top. That's probably should have been the subject line uh, of the email itself is, Hey, don't read, don't say my name on the show. Um, okay. But anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. We got a couple more here. Um, oh, this is nice. This is from uh, uh, Ethan McFall and Natasha Ferrier. They moved oh, to, uh, time to say. yeah, they moved to New York. Uh, looks like they sent me an email here. Um, I guess they have a shared email address now. So it's Ethan and mm. Natasha at uh, probably a shared Facebook too. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it says, uh, Oh, it just says get fucked poor. <laughs> There's like a, it says get fucked comma poor. <laughs> cool. Thanks guys. Uh, I thought we were, I thought, I thought I was on good terms. I thought we were friends. I mean, maybe, maybe they mean it in a good way. Maybe they mean it in a nice way. Like get fucked is then go find you a nice lady poor because they are, they feel bad that I'm not out with a nice lady. I'm that's how I'm going to take that. That's how I think they, they meant that. Maybe they hate her too soon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this one uh, next up, let's see. We got, Oh, another one here. Uh, this one is actually, it's from uh, Donnie, Donnie Marsh. Who we, we just, we just talked about uh, it says, uh, um, let's see. Dearest Donnie. I fucking love you, man. Signed Donnie. Maybe that first email had some merit. All right. That's weird. I think he thought he was emailing himself. <laughs> I think that's what it looks like. He, he addressed it to himself. <laughs> he, I know he doesn't think my name is, is Donnie. I know he doesn't think that. Um, I don't know. I don't know why he would have sent that to me, but that's, uh, I don't know. Um, we should probably be, I, we, if you run like an online mental health clinic, you should, we should, you should think about sponsoring this show. Cause I know a lot of people probably mm-hmm. who could um, use it, but uh, let's move on. This is a, a very special one here um, because this one, I can't believe it guys. I thought that I'm, I guess maybe it's from in chaos. We trust some bleed over, but um, I, this is a, this is a big deal here. Um, I got a email from uh former president, uh, Donald J. Trump. What? Yeah. It's got a letterhead and everything. It's uh that is official. Yeah, and I'm I'm not I don't do a good uh, a, a good impression, but I'll, I'll try to get through this as best I can. Um, it says, uh, "Mr. Sharp, uh, love the show. It's been a, a great time so far. Really love the scene, dirt. It's fantastic." He says, "But I got the best dirt. I've got the best guys out there. They dig up the best dirt, and I've got some scene dirt for you." <laughs> oh, oh, dear. he says, uh, "Scene dirt." It just says scene dirt. Bryant Smith is a secret Jew. What? Yeah. I don't know how I feel about, you know, that's honestly, that's, that's, that's why I didn't vote for the guy. If I'm being honest, like I'm not saying this. And like, here's, here's the thing about that. Like, I don't think first off, fuck you, Donald Trump for like, for just like a trying to insult my friend, but then also 
that's not an insult. Like what there's nothing wrong with being Jew. I'm 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 like an eight Jewish. It's not like enough to like where I can claim it, but it's like, you know, like I don't I don't have anything against Jewish. That's 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 a ridiculous thing in this day and age to like hold against someone. And then even like to shame them for it being a secret. Like I, I mean, a person's beliefs are their business. It's not like who cares? Who cares if someone is a secret whatever? I don't know. This is this is in bad taste. Um, I don't like it. I don't like the fact that he sent it in and that now our show is that now that the, I read that out loud. I didn't. Those aren't my words, but I said it out loud. Now someone can take that sound clip and make it sound like I have something. To, God damn it. Yeah. God damn it. Well, this segment sucks now. I'm, I'm, I'm about over it. I'm about over it. I don't know. Um, yeah. So I'm wondering without getting a lot of emails in other than these um, very legitimate emails that I just read off. Um, it makes me wonder if I should push the envelope more and just say worse and worse things until like, you know, just a, just a note, just a no, like poking wounds to see if the person's still alive, you know, like, mm-hmm. see, like, I don't know, but then I, you know, and then I could get Shane Gillis, you know, where it's like, I'm doing this now where I don't assume anybody's listening. And I'm just saying like, oh, I'm going to use bad words and words that hurt people's feelings. Cause it doesn't matter. And then like, I get some big deal and they're like, Oh, you have this podcast. So what we need to do is keep all of this in like one place where we can just burn it in a second. Like, Oh shit. I'm going to, oh, yeah. Just pull the plug. He was like, Oh shit. Yeah. They want me. Uh, I'm, I got they're I'm going to go try out for SNL. Oh, I got it. Hey, I'm on SNL. Uh, yeah. <laughs> pull the cord. Let's go. <laughs> you call me and you're like Tanner, we're at DEFCON five. Yeah. Let's drop it. <laughs> pull, pull it like building seven, pull it. <laughs> 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 all right oh man so um last week i talked a lot about uh, norm mcdonald and i i'm going to start off i'm going to go on a little bit of journey because it's related to that um i don't want to get back into all that again so i'm not going to go into too much about that but uh suffice to say um i don't normally and i said this i think last week i don't normally let like celebrity deaths affect me too much i have a really actually gruesome bit in my act um about celebrity death um and so i i it's because i you know i think i tend to think like oh these people sure are getting real bent out of shape about what amounts to a stranger you know but um with norm it didn't feel that way i know he's a stranger i know he didn't like he wouldn't be sad if i died he wouldn't know about it um but it didn't feel that way and it felt like you know I kind of was joking like you're like, oh, you're not allowed to be sad unless you were a ripoff. But it's kind of like I feel like in that regard, because I studied him so closely and didn't because because there's there's a couple ways. It's it's the same way with any art. There's two ways to appreciate it. You can be a casual observer who kind of soaks it in at the baseline level, which is really the artist's intent when they put up anything out, whether you're like a painter, a sculptor. Um, whether you're a musician, whether you're a filmmaker, a comedian, doesn't matter what it is. When, when someone makes art, they want you to accept it at the baseline. That's that's where they're they're doing it. But the other way to look at it is from the perspective of another artist, of another creator. So you're looking at it now, um, trying to pick out the minutia of the craft and picking it apart. Uh, when you start playing music. Uh, and you listen to bands that are in within your same style, you start listening. You, you can't, you can't just enjoy the song anymore. Like when you start writing, you know, for, for, you know, stage or screen, you start picking apart writing. You start making a, you know, a bigger deal out of it, out of it than like the average person would, they would just take the story on its, on its own merits. Um, and so I kind of did that with Norm and that's kind of like where, where, 
you know, I talked about that a lot last week. Um, and, and what was cool is getting to talk to, I, I, I ran into Ben Dalby at a show this weekend, uh, this past weekend. And uh, he, he was in the same state I was in and we just didn't know really what to, you know, it's like, kinda, I, I'm just here just to make sure I'm not dead yet. Like to make sure I'm not numb to anything, you know? And, uh, but we, we talked about our favorite, you know, norm bits and stuff. And it was, it was nice. It was a good thing. Cause it's, you can tell, I could tell he'd done the same thing and I could tell that he was in that camp that was not just a casual observer. And I feel like most people are, and that's, there's nothing wrong with being a casual observer. I'm just saying like when something like that happens, you don't know who to reach out to. But, uh, you know, unfortunately I don't get to hang out with Ben Dalby every day, but what has been helping me is hearing, I, you know, I've been kind of really clickbaity with any kind of, you know, comedian's reaction to it. And, uh, so I've been watching a lot of that content, even into the day I watched more of it. So it is what it is. But yesterday I stumbled across, um, an episode of a podcast called we might be drunk. It's got Mark Norman on it, who I'm a big Mark Norman fan. And the other guy on it is Sam Murill. Um, I am not as familiar with Sam Murill. And this is kind of where the story's going. That's I listened to it because they, I wanted to hear their reaction. Cause I, I like I said, I'm a big Mark Norman fan. Mark Norman, his style is very nineties comic. It's very, I, I believe that he's kind of in the same boat that I'm in, where he's a guy who, probably didn't just listen to norm. He like picked norm apart. And, um, so I wanted to hear like the, and, and you play up their newest episode. It's like, this is, this was filmed on that day. Like we had just found out a few minutes before we started recording and you could see they're both like, they look like they just came out of a bomb blast, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it, it, hearing that help, but it, because of that, I, it made me more curious. Well, I got to check out Sam Morrill because if he's hanging out with my boy, uh, Mark Norman, he, he's got to be good. Uh, I've c- come to find out he released a new YouTube special um, just like this week or last week, maybe very recently. And it's called Full Capacity. I'm like, well, OK, I'm going to watch this and see what this guy is. And it is not that it is not him doing a bunch of stand up. He does some, you hear like one or two, three, four jokes that he tells on stage. Cause it's a more of a documentary and it's a really interesting documentary. This is really where this journey was going is we are, what I'm doing, what I wanted to do was get you guys to watch this documentary because what it's about is the New York city comedy scene coming out of COVID. And I know we're like not out of it, but like, for a, a good while, for long enough to get a bunch of footage and film and, and edit a documentary, we did kind of think that we were, we were out of it for a while. And um, it's just so interesting. Cause I've never, you know, I've never been a part of a, a large city comedy scene. I've, I've only really, I mean, I've, I've done comedy out of town, but um, I've never like done like a residency anywhere um, or, or anything like that. So it's, I'm mostly a Chattanooga local comic. Um, but it was interesting to, to see that, to see how, um, how they were dealing with it and what their perspectives were. These are people who are legitimized. They're people like some of them are on SNL. Some of them, you know, have been in movies. Some of them um, are comics you've, you've heard and, and have seen. It's all, it's all, they're all working established comics that could go and tour and do anything anywhere. Um, and a lot of them took the year off. Like I did, they took 2020 entirely off. Um, 
And some of them figured out the same things that I did. And some of them came to different conclusions. Some people start questioning how important comedy was to them in the long run. And, and, and I kind of did the opposite where it's like I was that star was starting to kind of fade at the end of 2019 and early 2020. And then take it away from me for a year. Tell me I can't do it for a year. And uh, I want it bad enough to come back with a fucking force. I mean, I'm scared to keep talking about how good I'm doing because I know that <laughs> I'm going to bomb. Everybody's like, you said you were awesome. Uh, it's it. I have a, I have a really bad set due. I believe it. <laughs> I think I've got a bad set coming any day now. I hope it, it won't be the October 1st. Cause I'm going to just, that's going to be all killers. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to take any chances on that show, but I do have the itch to write again. I know that I'm going to, write some stuff probably uh, in one of the next mics bust out some newer stuff. And I think it's going to, um, you know, that's, that's where you, that's where you're taking the chances, but um, no, it, it just, it, it was really interesting to see that. So if, if you get the chance, it's free on YouTube. It's Sam Marill, uh full capacity. Um, it's, it's really, really a good watch. Um, really interesting, but you know, it, it just makes me, you know, it makes me realize that like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going into 10 years into this, you know, um, I'm, you know, it's, it, I, 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 it, it's so hard for me to place it because I didn't think when I started, like I should note this day, but I found old notes. So I can, I can kind of date at least like the oldest notes I've found are proof that I went up on a stage on this night. Um, so I, I, I know I've at least been doing, I think this October will be 10 years. What was your, your first night doing comedy? Like, where was it? Like, what took you up that, like, what did, made you decide like, oh, I'm going to do some comedy tonight. So that's a little bit of a long story. Not too bad. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't mean to derail no, it's, it's your fine. show. Yeah. Um, so I was, you know, I did the band thing for a while and that, um, you know, it started to wind down. Um, but I, and we kind of sensed it was winding down. We kind of get, you know, the writing was a bit on the wall. Um, so just for fun, you know, we, when we would tour and stuff in the van, we would watch a lot of like shows, but we'd also watch a lot of stand up and stuff, um, on our little, you know, van TV. Um, and so I was like, Hey, you know, we like a bunch of, we're all funny people. Let's write a, a five minute set just for fun and go hit up an open mic and just, just do it as a one-off, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm the only one who took it seriously and actually wrote out a five minute set. Um, I sat on it for several years cause I had kind of a falling out with a lot of those guys. Um, you know, most of us get along now, so it's, it's good. But, um, sometime when during that falling out, like it had been a couple of years and I was like, you know, screw it. I've got this, these jokes, I'm going to go see if they're good. And they got laughs and that, that was enough to, to get me hooked. And yeah. And it was at a JJ's, um, on a Wednesday night. That was back when, it was still a very small mic. It hadn't really mm-hmm. grown yet. And it was um, run by Joel Ruiz. And um, it was a, it was a very different, but very awesome time. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot of lessons. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely now. Um, I, I think I want to, I think I really want to give it a run. I think I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing better now than I ever kind of thought that I would. Like I was always like, you know, I, I always, I think, I think my jokes are funny to me, but I don't know that they're funny to everybody. And then lately people have been kind of showing me that they're funny mm-hmm. to everybody. So it's like, well, I can keep cranking these out, you know? So let's, let's, uh, let's chase this dream. So I want to take some chances. 
in order to do that, I need you guys help because I can't quit my day job yet. <laughs> it just can't happen. Uh, Plus if people start like sending you a little bit of quiche, it will uh, allow you to hit the road a little bit. And I'd be down to even like with brew chat, hit the road with you and like, yeah, let's go fucking, you do some comedy somewhere. We'll hit a, I don't know, hit some nightlife and see what's up, film some crazy shit and throw it on the brew chat YouTube. I'm into it. I'm into it. I mean, I, you know, at this point, especially, like I said, being told you can't do things for a year really put a lot mm. in perspective and it really made me like, you know, question the direction that my life has been going where it's like, you know, I'm, I'm really working to excel at this comedy thing, but I'm treating it like a hobby still. And it's mm. like, I've been doing it for almost a decade now. There's a period where I've got to like, say like, do I have, do I actually have it? Or am I, am I a hack, mm -hmm. you know, ultimately, and I might, I might end up being like, I might have a few good jokes and that might be the best I ever do. And I may never write anything else that, that is worth telling, but mm. you know, I'm, I'm going to, I don't want to, I don't want to die not having tried. And that's kind of where it's, yeah. where it's at. It's like, I got, I've got to kind of do it. So, I mean, I, that's, that's really where my head's at. And, and I think that, uh, I, I want to get other comics on, on the show and, and kind of see where, where their head's at and like mm -hmm. kind of what, you know, because, because, you know, during that year, I, I, you know, I, I'm not on Facebook, so I mostly lost contact with the vast majority of the local scene, mm -hmm. seeing everybody again, um, you know, was, was a weird sort of reunion. And, uh, I mean, especially since I, I'm not, I mean, you know, you do the other show. So you've, you've seen me over 2020. I, um, I, I was kind of a dick to a lot of people who weren't, um, being the most responsible about mm. the spread of the virus. And like, look, I'm going to be straight up. I don't necessarily take any of that back. Um, I, I do still kind of feel that, but I kind of am now able to compartmentalize it and realize like, yeah, I was mad at that time. And I think I was right to be mad at that time. But now we, Hey, we did make it out. Mm -hmm. You can't hold on to grudges. And that's really like where I'm trying to be right now is where I'm not like, I, I, I don't think that I was like, I'm, it's not where I'm going to go apologize. Like, Hey, I said awful things and tweeted awful things because you know, you guys were doing shows for four people, but still like, you know, like, <sighs> you know, sure. But like we all made it through at least so far, but you know, I'm vaxxed now. So I kind of, you know, it looked like things were going to get bad again. We were going to have to shut down again. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it can happen. I think we're not far away from a vax for children. So I think that's really going to help things a lot. Um, um, but yeah, I'm, I, I'm, my attitude is like, I don't want to be ugly. I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm not going to stop doing comedy. I'm, I'm just not going to stop again because Although I will say, and this is, this is a thing um, I, I did take like a, a couple month break earlier on and it hit, affected me way more where it's like, I, it, it's not like riding a bike. Like I, mm. that, that time off showed and I had to kind of rebuild some skills. Whereas this time I took a whole year off, but it was so late in my development that I came back running. So it makes me less scared. If, if something does happen and it does, things do get to a point where like I have to mm. take time off again. I'm less scared of what that's going to do to me other than just take time away from me, mm -hmm. you know, um, because I'm already 38. I don't know how much, how much longer I've got. I mean, I'm hoping I'm about halfway through is mm -hmm. really where I, where I'm at now. Like if this is, if this is the halfway mark, I'm okay. If this, if we're coming up on the end, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not like, and don't get me wrong. I, I'm a sad, miserable guy, but no, I'm not, I've got too much shit to do before I can die yet. Like I got to, 
I got too much D and D to play. What am I talking about? <laughs> it does make me wonder. Uh, Cause you did, you stayed sharp as a fucking fiddle or katana. I'll go with that. You stayed as sharp as a katana. Um, I know you like that word, but uh, right. it, yeah, it does make me wonder. Cause you were doing shit. I mean, as soon as we went on lockdown, I know you were coming on brew chat and then like fiddling around with some like virtual adventure fight stuff. And then we started doing in chaos. And so just saying, I wonder if that contributed to you staying sharp or, uh, I, I think that did. I think also living with Bryant, uh, yeah. another comedian who's, who's, um, like, I, so we're, I'd calmed down a lot before I started being friends with Bryant. Like I used to be very, very, very depraved in my humor. Mm hmm. And then I got more uh, mature, more, more uh, refined. And then I started hanging out with Bryant who blows me out of the water in depravity. <laughs> um, but it made me comfortable being depraved again. So the, a lot of my newer stuff lately has been a little, little dark, a little dark. And um, I, now, I mean, I, I think it's to the point now where I've, I've, I don't know that I'm more depraved than he is or less, but I'm definitely like up there. I mean, I, I mean, I think if this, the past dark humor show, the last one we did, you know, last month, I think, uh, I don't think anybody got close to as fucking dark <laughs> as I got. Also, I did get drunk, so I may not remember all everybody's jokes. I know I sat outside for a, a little bit of it. I'm sorry if I missed anybody, but, um, somebody may have been way worse, but I think I was the worst. And like, what's, what's funny is, you know, I was like, Oh, these are jokes you only get to hear once. Yeah. A lot of that's cut, moved into my, my main mm -hmm. set just cause it's good. It, it makes people laugh. Um, and it's, I think I try to not do it in like a punchy downy kind of way, although it's really hard not to, with some of the stuff I'm saying, but I think, I think it's, it's okay to punch like ideas down as long as you're not targeting specific people. Um, I really, it's really what I'm like, if you were to ask me what some of my like worst jokes are about, I'd be like, Oh, it's about, you know, this one really is about compassion, <laughs> but it's, I use a lot of ugly words in it, but it's about, it's the point is to make, you know, people hopefully understand different perspectives of compassion, but I don't know, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to like say like, you know, but then also the delivery method is, you know, crude. It's very crass. And a lot of people don't like that. And it's not their fault. I can't be mad at someone who's like, I don't want to hear that kind of stuff. It's like, I get it, <laughs> you know, I'm, but, uh, I, it, I've still got the brain I've got. I'm still going to mm -hmm. write the, the kind of stuff I'm going to write. Um, uh, but yeah, I, uh, I think, uh, I'm just glad that I have a D and D group again. <laughs> I, I've missed it. I needed the break when I, when I took it, when the, the last one ended, but, uh, thank you, Matt Mercer. You, you did kick people in the pants and make people reach out, even though it's like all people like. No, I didn't pull from strangers who hit me up randomly. I mean, some of them are kind of stranger-ish, but that, you know, they're people I've interacted with enough or like one, one guy is a guy who knew me from the, the music scene who was, who came out to shows a lot. Um, so I, I know him like from that kind of setting, but we've never like hung out or chilled or anything. Um, but, he, um, he, you know, seems like a nice enough guy. Another guy is a guy who used to live in the same apartment complex as me. And then also randomly is friends with my neighbors now. So I see him all the time anyway. Um, so he's vetted. I know he's cool. He actually also paints minis and has 3d printers and stuff. So it'll be nice having someone else 
carry that load yeah. a little bit where instead of me doing everything, um, me, the other guy seems cool so far. Uh, I got, I got no reservations. He might end up being the coolest of us all, but, uh, just a weird sort of circumstance. I don't know this guy at all, but I used to hang out with his wife all the time. Uh, she used to come to our, like, she was a good friends with the guy whose house was in the band that we practiced at. I, I don't know if that sentence made sense, but uh, <laughs> the guy in the band whose house we practiced at, she was really close friends with him. And then by proxy was friends with all of us from hanging out so much. Um, and so she would come and hang out all the time. Um, she has since grown up and gotten married. And when all of this, uh, the mercering was going on, she shot a message to me. He's like, Hey, my husband has been talking about D and D a lot lately and really wants to play. And it was like, well, you are, you were always cool. And so I assume you married a cool guy. We'll give him a shot. Uh, we are going to schedule a play date where we all just hang out and don't talk about D and D and just vibe on each other and see if like, make sure nobody's grading or, or you know, awful, mm. which one time I know you're not really going to get a great measure of that, but at least looking out for early red flags. And I, and I warn everybody's like, I've got my own. Maybe there's something about me. You can't stand, or maybe something about Brian. It's probably going to be, Brian. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just cool. And like, I, I feel good about it because I've got a lot of sort of controversial views about what a D and D game should be that go really far against like sort of the modern perceptions of it. And, um, cause I'm a snob. I'm a, I mean, I'm a metal head. Why wouldn't I be a, a, you know, a game snob too? Like, of course the old stuff is best and most pure. I want the most pure experience. Um, you know, why, why wouldn't uh, I be that way also? But I did pitch a lot of these ideas and everyone seems perceptive to it so far or receptive. Everyone seems receptive to it there. Uh, so I, I feel like it's going to be good. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what those ideas are, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so we're, so it's not just, Ian's talking about weird shit. No, I mean, I'm always talking about weird shit, but um, I don't, I don't want to play a game that's too cartoony, you know, like I know, we're adults hang, taking our Saturday to play a game of pretend. But I, there's a certain experience that I've always wanted. And that's the, what I can, what I call the advertised experience of D and D like what you, when you watch stranger things, what those kids are doing, mm -hmm. when you watch like any sort of like pop culture representation of it, it's always that sort of like traditional classic fantasy, like the, the Tolkien kind of stuff or the, even the, the, you know, sword and sorcery Conan kind of stuff, but it's all, I have that very sort of eighties sort of vibe mm -hmm. that I'm going for. Um, and that's what I wanted out of D and D when I got into it. Um, what I found is that the game and role, the role playing community and the game as a result of what the market wants has changed a lot from those ideas. Uh, some people don't like those ideas for, for um, you know, social justice reasons. And, and the, there's fair debates there. I'm not going to get into all that. That's not, that's not really what I'm talking about here, but um, there's a lot that's a lot of weight that's put in the concept of, you know, honoring everyone's imagination, letting everyone come to the table with their idea of what the game should be mm. and not agreeing on a unified setting. I mean, I guess you, you agree, but within each, like the D and D core rules have so many different like player options now. And then like, if you go to older editions, it gets worse, but like 
now they're they're just so spread out that it's hard to nail down like what kind of world it is unless it's just a straight up kitchen sink fantasy and that's where it starts to get cartoony like i don't want everyone to be you know and, and nothing against the furry community but no anthropomorphic animal people in my game please i don't want cat folk i don't want dog folk i don't want now, my last game, I was more permissive because it was multiversal. It was there's there a big multiverse threat. Um, so it makes sense why all these different things could show up at any time I, that fit with the narrative. Uh, this new game, I want to be more focused in. It's going to be more of a regional, maybe countrywide threat is what the whole thing is. So it's going to be very specific to a region. That doesn't mean that all the characters have to be from that region, but they have to show that there's some buy-in into the world. And I think when like I describe a certain kind of world I'm going for, and then a player comes to me and says, I want to be an, a rabbit person. I'm like, you're, you just don't care about playing the game. I'm trying to run like you, you want to me. And to me, that's a kind of thing where it feels almost like that person really wants to be the main character. They want the story to be about them because they're going so far outside of the lines of, and like, look in some games, that's fine. Some games are that tone and that's, you know, if that's the game that you prefer in your house, the game that you're running and putting together, and that's what all your friends want to do. I'm not telling you, you shouldn't do that. I'm not saying that my way of D and D is the only way of D and D I've just learned what actually is fun to me and, and uh, about the whole thing. Um, I actually don't like thinking about when I'm playing and not running a game. I don't like thinking about what kind of character I want to play. I roll random stats. I let those stats say, okay, high strength, low intelligence. This is probably a fighter or a barbarian, you know? And so I'll pick that. And then I'll say like, okay, um, at picking this race, we'll give these bonuses to those things that I'm already good at. So I'll do that. I am an orc fighter. That's cool. You know? And then I'll figure out the backstory kind of as I go. I may come up with a few quick points that kind of like, okay, he got strong through this setting. Like he used to be, used to work in a mine and uh, shoveled, you know, ore all day. Um, and, you know, maybe he was raised by dwarves for some reason. So he's a, that's why he's a, a, an orc, but he's able to be around, uh, you know, peoples because dwarves, you know, taught him how to be a, a civilized person, which mm -hmm. that's part of the problem is when you say like orcs aren't civilized, it's like, well, yeah, but you know, that, I don't want to get into all that. All I'm saying is there's things that about your character that kind of can, can help help you along the way by looking at him. Like, you know, like I said, just from having a high strength, I decided this class then saying like, okay, this race makes me even better at that. That'll be fun. And so I did that and then say like, okay, well, why would, why should this character exist? You can, you answer those basic questions first and then kind of improv. Yes. And the rest of your backstory as you go. Mm -hmm. And to me that, that does, that accomplishes two main things. And this goes back into what D and D should be one. It makes it less of a big deal if your character dies. So you're less concerned about having plot armor. You're not going to be whiny about it because you don't have as much buy-in as something that you spent like hours crafting in your own mm -hmm. before you even showed up. Um, and the fact that you're more, I guess, and because the dice are random, you're probably squishier. You're probably not perfectly statted. So you, there's probably a high risk of death as well. Um, which is, I think there should be, I think the danger should feel real. It should feel, you should feel like you might lose. 
Mm-hmm. And then if you do lose, it's fine. You can just roll up another character and start a new story. You know, whereas when you when you cook all this stuff up, you you sort of pre-build this investment. Every character that I think about in advance, I always think about how I want their story to end. But you're not supposed to do that. When you show up to the table, it's a collaborative storytelling experience. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to want to write this story with your friends, which means some of the things that you want aren't going to happen because you have to compromise when you're sharing something. That's that's kind of the beauty of these games. So I think that by, I think you're cheating yourself when you try to do these sort of like, I want to be a Fox person. Cause I think, you know, like don't know, yeah. no, 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 no. I think, you know, there's, there's a trope that the most boring D and D character is the human fighter. And mm-hmm. I think that may, that because mechanically there's not as much going on as with other other classes i think that gives it the room to be some of the have some of the most interesting like character moments and Mm -hmm. personality and actual character depth like fuck fuck your class and and your your race that's not important what's important is who you are and, and the decisions that you make and how you make those decisions and then like if you really want to be a better role player even thinking outside of your own mind and into your character's mind and going like, well, my character would do this. And that's, that's also a trope is like a lot of people use that as an excuse to do shitty things. I'm not saying that like first off rules at my table, um, buy into the adventure. Your, your character has to want to go on the adventure. The fucking no, my character's a farmer and would rather farm. You have to convince me. No, no, fuck that. Your character Mm-hmm. wants to go on an adventure that character can stay on the farm roll up another one you know yeah uh, and then second your character let's just, you have to create a reason why your character won't double cross the other players you have to think of that like and that does that doesn't just mean stealing from them or killing them that also means sabotaging a mission by mm-hmm. because you want to do something stupid no 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 if you want to do something stupid that your character would do it's okay to to break the immersion and say, "Hey guys, what if this? What if my character did this?" And then hear what the table thinks. Mm-hmm. If everyone likes the idea, that's the plan, you know. But if no, but you know, there's nothing wrong with pitching it before you do it. It doesn't have to be a spur of the moment. I'm going to say I do this and surprise everyone. Um, that's you know, in, in MMOs like World of Warcraft, that's called a Leroy Jenkins moment. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Leroy Jenkins. I can't believe I'm still hearing that name. Yeah. Like 15 years later. But in 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 actual D&D, like I don't let that happen. If someone tries to pull Leroy Jenkins, I go, "Oh, hold on, hold on. Let's talk about this and I let make the table talk about it and I give everyone ample opportunity to like mm. tackle him if he's insistent, but it's always a dude. I've never seen a chick that's a shitty player. I'm sure they're out there, but I haven't I haven't shared a table. Every every lady who sat at a table has been awesome so far. So, uh that whole st- if anyone's out there, it's like D and is for dudes, not shit. Fuck you. Like, just fuck off. I don't know what that's even about. It's about friends hanging out and I can be friends with anybody. So, uh, that, and that's where like, when you get into like the, the more like, Oh, D and woke now. Well, it always kind of has been, or it always, it always should have been. It was always mm-hmm. for outcasts. It was always, you know, not, it wasn't necessarily for outcasts, but that's who gravitated towards it. Um, or people who didn't feel like they belonged anywhere else. Um, and it benefits from having a lot of different kinds of brains at the table because it's, you don't want everyone who thinks the same way because everyone's going to have the same solution to the mm-hmm. puzzle. And you, that may not always be the right one. You want a lot of different people with a lot of different lived experiences. So I'm, I'm super down. Any one time someone like 
weird or that you wouldn't think would play D&D wants to, I'm always down. I'm always like, oh, yeah, I want to see. That's part of why I do Adventure Fight, uh, the live shows, because I like recruiting comedians who d- specifically don't play D&D, and it's not their thing at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will Foskey never in his life thought he would sit down and play a D&D game. It ended up being one of the best guests we've ever had. I think like the first half of it, he was kind of getting his feel for it. But by the second half, it was just you know, killing mm-hmm. straight up the whole time. And, and and that's, that's one of those things that like, I think that that's what it's about, you know, is figuring out that like, Oh, I don't have to be so worried about this. You know, the, the dungeon master's got the rules. I can just kind of sit and, and cause I think a lot of people like get frozen up in their sheet and they look at their sheet and go, these are my options. These are like my, yeah, yeah. the buttons I can press to do things. And you're not really supposed to do that. You're supposed to put the sheet down and you're supposed to hear the situation and then, think about how you would respond. And then we look at the sheet to see how that would happen. That's really the order of operations there. And I think, uh, you know, that's, that's where I think the old school games tend to um, encourage that kind of play a little bit more. Um, so I'm not a curmudgeon when I say like the old school, because honestly I don't, I'm, I mean, I've only played, I played D and D second edition once when I was younger and uh, I didn't like it. It was too complicated. There's too much going on. Um, and then now that I, once I played fifth edition, I, I fell in love because of its simplicity, but I'm starting to now I've been playing it for a few years. I'm starting to figure out things about it that I don't like. And I'm looking at some of these other systems. Uh, Merc Borge in particular is, is one of my favorites. I did just get the book for old school essentials, which is essentially the first edition basic. Um, and it, it's just that those rules, but cleaned up and clarified so that, cause if you read those old rule books that like, they didn't have like pro proofreaders go through. <laughs> so it was like a lot of like, assuming you already knew how to play some other games like it, not explaining everything fully. Um, or like, Hey, if you want the rules for this, buy this other game that this other company makes, we just use those rules for this. <laughs> like, okay. Um, so, but I haven't actually played old school essentials yet. I haven't played a lot of old school games, but I've played a bunch of Mork board and I've played a bunch of uh, dungeon crawl classics, which kind of takes from that as well. That, that not necessarily the rules, but the the tone, because the tone is really what I'm going for. I want to, I want a dangerous world where, you know, like I, I want, I don't want you to just be able to, I, I magic exists everywhere and I'm going to cast spells. Hooray. I want it to be like magic is you're pulling off from forces you don't understand entirely and it's dangerous. And if things go wrong, they go really wrong. There is a cost. Like there's a spell in D and D called counter spell. You know what it does? If I cast a spell at you, I say, I'm going to shoot a fireball at you. You can go, Oh no, you don't counter spell. And then it just shuts it off. What? It's a spell you can learn. It just, it like diffuses the magic. No now, matter what, no matter what. No. Well, so there is a, there, well, A, you have to be able to um, you have to have a reaction turn available to be able to cast it. You have to have the components and the spell slots available to cast it. So it is a, a resource. You can't just do it all the time, yeah. anytime. Um, but if the if that caster also knows counterspell, they can use their reaction to ca- to counterspell your counterspell, mm. meaning their spell goes through. Um, to me, that's crazy. It's stupid. It's just a back and forth. I, I cast a spell. Nuh-uh. Uh-huh. Like, mm. no. How about this? That much weird flowing with the ebb and flow of magic that causes 
there's a dice roll to see if something fucking crazier mm-hmm. happens. Maybe you guys just ripped a hole in reality yep. with that back and forth counterspell bullshit. That's what I think. That's how a game should be. I should be able to, if I find a weird gem that just feels powerful, I should be able to cut out my eyeball and stick the gem in and hopefully become an evil arch wizard. Um, Cause that's how the, these games are supposed to play. Or maybe I just killed my character. Whoops. <laughs> you know, um, that's a thing that happened. That's actually like, there's an item in D and D that does that. And then in DCC, there was another weird thing. And I was like, I want to see what happens if I cut my eye out and put the, the jewel in there. And like, Oh yeah. It, it grows into a weird jewel eye. And now you have a tentacle and you have, you can cast these spells. I'm like, cool. Oh, and your alignment switches to evil. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. D and D is the shit. I'm excited to get to go, do it again. I'm sorry for that rant for people who don't give a fuck, but you know what? Honestly, um, I've learned, I've learned this. I'm going to switch gears here. I'm going to, yeah, I, um, you know, I, I just think D and D is the shit. And, um, you know, if you don't, if you don't fuck you, <laughs> I, I've, le- <laughs> I've learned that in my, uh, in my time. Um, I've learned that you know, it used to be, um, I quit playing for a long time because I was like, I'd rather date girls. You know, I want girls to think I'm cool. So I don't want to, I don't want them to know that I play D and D or play games like this. Um, and now I realize that when, if a girl stops talking to me because I play D and D, that's a good thing. She just saved us both a bunch of time. I'm that like, that's the thing. Like, I think growing up, I've learned to take rejection a lot better, um, because of that, because it's not like I'm no longer like personally offended because there's a lot of people that I've dated who I've been attracted to at the time. But then after spending time with them, realize like, we don't have anything in common. I don't like I'm not excited. I, I, whenever t- t- time to hang out comes, it's always like a chore and it's not like a thing I get to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could tell that they f- would feel the same way. And it's like, why are we even together? And that's, those are always a hard, that's always a hard talk to have is the, why are we even together? <laughs> and, but it's like, ultimately it's like, but it makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we, it, it's, we're kind of in a bad relationship. Wouldn't it be cooler if we were just friends, you know, uh, it used to be that would fuck me up. And now I'm just like, Hey, if that does make sense, then let's, let's do that because I don't really want to waste my time, you know, in a bad relationship, you know, being in no relationship is better than a bad relationship oh, yeah. in my opinion. And that's kind of what, what I've learned. And D and D has helped me. It's given me an automatic filter because it's a thing I'm, I'm not willing to compromise on. I'm always going to want to paint minis. I'm always going to want to roll dice. Even long after my comedy dreams have died, I want a group of friends over at my house on Saturdays pretending to be elves and shit. That's, that's, that's just the thing I want in my life. <laughs> and if that's too much, nerd nerditry for uh, a lady then yeah we wouldn't get along probably on a lot of other things mm-hmm. so it's fine like and there's lots of guys who don't give a fuck about dnd i hope she finds one of them and he treats her well like i'm not like fuck you bitch You're like good good you know don't date yeah. me if you don't like dnd absolutely don't date me that's a horrible idea <laughs> like because it's going to be around a lot mm-hmm. um and that's that's kind of what growing up is, is is figuring uh figuring that out but um you know i, I feel like i'm growing up still like um you know, that first episode, we had that that whole tender bit that I uh, listening back. I didn't even like listening to it. So I was like, I'm going to cut that. That's, you know, it's not cla- it's, it's it's I mean, I know I'm not pretending like it was this show was ever going to be classy. You know, I'm, like I said, I'm I'm going to see who's listening. I'm going to say some awful things every I'm just going to pepper them in casually, you know. You're, it'll be in the middle of something non-related like yeah and so with this D game we were all like fuck the jew no i'm just kidding i don't want to bet i don't want to pick on the jews i'm not like trump i don't want to do that I, that was and i don't know why that was the first thing that even came to my head that's awful uh i'm gonna <laughs> lash myself later 
Um, I need to date a, a nice Jewish lady who will like make slap me every time I make an inappropriate nice. joke. Jewish ladies are nice. Yeah, I'm a fan. I uh, I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't. I haven't met every Jewish lady. I'm sure some of them suck. Uh, but I'm sure, a lot yeah. of them are great. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, I think I think not only did that bit kind of sour me on that kind of comedy, like the let's pick on ladies comedy. Um, it, it, I think it soured me on using apps in general. Like I don't, they're not fun. I don't, I've never really been good at it. Um, I don't know why it just, it's something to do when I'm like bored. It's, it's another app to look at on my mm. phone and like, maybe something will happen here. Maybe something will happen here. Ooh, no, maybe something. Here. I'm like, I've never been good at it. It's not something there. I feel like there's next to no one who I feel like I would even be compatible with based on like reading bios and like looking at like, like if I see conservative Christian, I'm like, nope. If I see any mention of Jesus at all, I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Cause we, I mean like, again, it's the D and D thing. Like that difference is going to come up and it's going to not be cool. Like, you know, there, there's other things I'm fine with and there's, there's definitely things I'm not. And that's like, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to start going to church or not say my opinion when it, when it, the time to bring it up comes. So it's, that's kind of a, a, a thing that's like, you know, there's lots of guys out there who are who will go to church with you. Go go date one of them. Mm-hmm. I wish I could filter just those people out, but you know, there's in this area, that's most people. So I, I'm I'm done with the apps. I think I'm I'm done with the apps. Uh, I, yeah, I haven't deleted my. It's sort of a thing where it's like I haven't deleted my stuff yet, so I can still go back, but I'm going to stop checking them because uh, they're not. I'm not going to get notified. Like it, other than the, the generic ones, they they put to, they uh, send out to make you look at the app. Hey, there might be someone you like just around the corner. Fuck you. Uh, it's, you know, it's never a hey. You got a match. You know, um, but I do great in person, and so I think I'm gonna. You know, hopefully, hopefully in person gets to keep being a thing. I mean, we're in Tennessee. It's it's gonna keep being a thing. But you know, I, I went out to a show this weekend. I went to the Good Cop Rad Cop show and. It was kind of for that kind of like, you know, like I need to not necessarily like I'm not trying to date. That's the thing. That's the, that's why the apps feel so dirty is because right. I'm really like really focusing on myself. It's just sort of a maybe something will happen kind of thing. But I don't really like like that's part of like what the D&D thing is about. Because I think if I met some lady who like I had to give any kind of compromise at all right now, on, I wouldn't be down because it's like, well, I, I'm doing really well at comedy. So that's a thing. I'm going to be out at bars you know, a couple nights a week. If that's not a thing that you're cool with, then that's an immediate problem. You know, I, I do like to do the things I like to do. Uh, I, uh, you know, one of the big issues with me and my last girlfriend was that I smoked cigarettes. Now I've been cigarette free since June. So that's cool. Um, Hell yeah. I didn't realize it'd been that long. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't want to quit because someone else made me quit because I knew that wouldn't work. It had to be when I was ready and when I wanted to quit mm. and, and I, and I did now. And so now that's a cool thing I can use as, uh, <laughs> on the dating apps. Like, oh, I don't smoke. <laughs> the people have a lot, people are very, you have very few people who are like, I'm a proud smoker. They'll usually just put it as a little thing and hope that people don't care. But you see a lot of people are like, I will not date a smoker. And I get it. I am not at all disparaging that, especially someone who doesn't smoke now. Like, there's a phase you go through when you quit smoking where once you're actually free and you don't have the urge anymore, mm-hmm. um, cigarette smoke smells way worse than it used yep. to. It doesn't. Yep. There's a while where it smells like good and familiar and it makes you want a cigarette. And then once you cross that, that line, mm-hmm. it smells awful and it's like offensively bad. 
Um, and I imagine that's just how it smells all the time to people who don't smoke <laughs> and that you're just finally like healed enough to where you can actually smell it. And so that's why I'm like, when people are like, no smokers, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. But it did suck when you were a smoker and you're like, well, I mean, I'm not going to like change my life tomorrow. Mm. And then I did, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, um, dating is hard. That's all I'm going to say. Dating is hard. Like for example, um, you know, one time I went out with this, this lady and it was, uh, you know, we didn't know it was a, the place was too packed. So we couldn't, we were a long wait for the table. So we were like, Hey, do you want to go sit at the bar? And she's like, yeah, sure. So we went and sat at the bar. Um, but it was packed. So it was like two seats and then people on both sides. Um, and I ended up sitting next to this, like kind of old timer. Right. And, um, you know, I'm trying to impress the lady, but he keeps wanting to talk to us and it's awkward. Uh, and he's just like, Oh yeah. You know, I'm, was in the war, you know, I was crawling around. He's just telling all these horrible like stories. Like I was crawling around in the muck, getting bullets whizzing by my head, watching my buddies die. You know, I, uh, I, I, my friend, I watched his, uh, I saw his whole eyeball hanging out of his head, just hanging out, hanging by the little, the little strand there's hanging. Uh, another guy had his guts spilled out and then, uh, you know, but that's not the end. And you know, you think war is the worst thing you'll ever see, you know, but also the things they had us do. Like I, I killed kids, man. I, you know, I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm on a, I'm trying to impress this girl. He's like, ah, no, let's shut up. I killed kids, you know? And, uh, and then I get back from the war with all this baggage, you know? And then, uh, it's hard to, you know, look my kids in the eye, you know, and it's, uh, hard to feel intimate with my wife. And, you know, so she left me and my kids don't talk to me anymore. And it's just this never ending struggle. And I'm just like, yeah, but like, uh, you ever been on a date? Dating's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had to do that. That was my four norm. That was like a, such a, I wrote that when I was drunk the other night and was like, <laughs> that's a norm bit. Yeah. So I, it's a bit norm. If, if norm didn't write that, he would have eventually. <laughs> it's it very like very structured after the moth joke where I'm like, this, yeah, I got the inspiration in there. Yeah, yeah. This huge journey that just ends with this stupid, like, yeah, but you ever been on a date? Yeah. <laughs> I had to throw that one in there. I think I think we're probably about an, an hour now. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly an hour. Oh shit, good I'm on good. You. Good shit, I'm good. I'm yeah. getting good at this podcasting shit. Yeah, yeah. thanks for uh, cranking out a BM with me, Tanner. Fuck yeah, dude. All right, let's uh, one more time. I'll, I'll say, uh, you know, listen to me and Tanner talk shit about politics on In Chaos We Trust. Yeah. Uh, those episodes drop on Mondays. Uh, links are also in in my bio. Um, you know, I adventure fight coming soon so stay stay tuned again just hang out at my link tree that's really like where all the cool shit's going to be happening you can listen to my old band you can uh give me money please um you can send me an email that's also cool um and then also you can buy tickets to my show on october 1st at the Bode hotel um it's i'm not the headliner it's not my show i'm just on it but it's gonna be a good time uh like i said these shows sell out so get your tickets now it's on a friday night october 1st we're gonna have a good time uh thanks for rocking out with us we'll see you next time on boomer memes (laughs) 